Welcome to Wonder Tour with Derek Cobb and Drew Perot. better leaders by touring fantastic worlds and inspiring lore by going on a wonder tour we connect leadership concepts to story context because it sticks to our brain better you can find out more at wondertourpodcast.com all right now it's time to follow our wayfinder and go through the weird red stuff No, that that was just like that was a scene transition is is what that was in 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 that movie. And of course, we are talking about the rise of Skywalker, Star Wars Episode nine. So we're going to get our our yellow lightsabers out. We're going to be swinging for the fences here. We're going to try to read a little bit too deep into who Ray is and and who Kylo Ren is. We're going to be focused on Ray here, though, today. I'm really excited for this one personally, because Ray is one of my favorite characters in the Star Wars universe. Derek, I was thinking to get started, we can just talk about, you know, what we think about the sequel trilogy. I probably lean more into what we loved about it. But we can, of course, critique aspects of it as well. So I'm curious first from you. What did you think of the sequel trilogy? Maybe keeping the focus mostly on Rise of Skywalker, but you can you can jump around. Um, I guess I'm kind of hung up on the tech. I don't know, but I really like the Falcon just constantly through that the whole arc. Um, you know, just that the uh, the Falcon's back and and that it's got a new crew and uh, I don't know. I I get some kind of a nostalgic feeling every time I see that ship. And I see the people in the ship, and even if Han Solo's not in there, um, and Chewie's that continuity. And it was funny because at the beginning you were also talking about lightsaber colors, and I'm like, I do not keep the lightsaber colors straight. <laughs> so that's going to be my failing uh, here, and I don't think the Force is going to help me keep it straight. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, well, you'll, luckily you'll there's not going to be a lightsaber color test at the end of this episode. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I know Kylo's is red, okay? So, but you know, and and typically we got red versus blue. But when you start busting out the yellow, I'm like, uh. <laughs> no, we so, dive but, deep into the spoilers here, though. Obviously, I'm jumping all the way to the end of the sequel trilogy to when Ray uh, pulls out the yellow lightsaber, yellow or orange. I don't know. I guess it depends on how your eyes perceive color. <laughs> My eyes see it more as yellow than they do as orange, though. So um, I do know that in the in the most recent Star Wars video game, they introduced the ability to kind of have like a rainbow spectrum of lightsaber colors, which was really cool. <laughs> it just felt awesome to be able to like choose your own lightsaber color that your Jedi was going to use. Yeah, well, I would just say this, that my daughter would just pick one that's rainbow colored just in general. <laughs> she loves all the colors, so she'd actually have to have all of the colors, <laughs> top to bottom. So <laughs> how'd you like to be a Sith and get hit with a rainbow? There you go. Boom. You know, so there you go. All the She's all the Jedi, remember? Raise yeah, uh, that, it's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect Jedi lightsaber, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
So that takes me to, I want to talk first about what I love about this, this sequel trilogy. Um, I, I really enjoy Ray's character. I think following her from episode seven, where she's the scavenger and she's, she's basically dirt poor and she's kind of, she's happy. She, she has joy in her life, but you can tell that there's something missing and that that something missing, they would lead you to believe the writers of this trilogy, you know, is that she doesn't know who her parents are. That's at least on the surface level, what she's looking for. So we immediately have this, this trilogy long plot conflict opened up in episode seven that I am, I was bought into the entire time wanting to figure out who it was. You can argue that the payoff was good, bad, being that Ray is actually a Palpatine, but I thought it was a lot of fun going on the ride to figure that out. I also really enjoyed um, the other kind of main characters being Poe and Finn. The, as you know, people can argue that they had too little, too much screen time in different uh, different parts of the story arc. But overall, I liked the direction that the story went. I think I learned that I don't like J.J. Abrams as a director, which I thought I did. I was excited about it when it was announced that he was going to be directing them. And I know he only ended up actually kind of like directing one and a half of them with directing seven and then directing nine after Colin Trevorrow like kind of wrote it um, and he came in to fix it. But I I learned that I don't really like J.J. Abrams directing style. I didn't like it in seven very much and I didn't like it in the first half of nine. I thought there was just a lot of parts of that. I was really questioning why he chose to do it that way, but that that's all right. I mean, these are, these are little things. Mostly these are like Maz Kanata, right? Like why is Maz Kanata even in episode nine? Every time she gets brought up, she's just like, she's just like, let me explicitly tell you exactly what's like what's transitioning between scene A and scene B. It's like when when they're talking about Leia, right? It's like when when they're uh, when Ray and and Ben are fighting on the wreckage of the second Death Star, and uh, Leia is like reaching out through the Force to talk to Ben. We have Maz Kanata randomly jammed into this scene in the foreground of the screen. Leia's in the background, like, hobbling away. And Maz Kanata says some dumb line, like, she has to, like, blah, blah, blah. She's becoming weak or something. It's like, obviously, that's what's happening. Why would you even say that? Like, just just tell the story without explicitly telling us the story. It's, that's not good storytelling. <laughs> yeah, she's an interesting character. She... It's kind of like a Jar Jar in a way, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. It's like this Jar Jar grandma that kind of pops up sometimes. Um, yeah, I know what you're saying. Uh, Misa Day, Misa going to tell you something. It's obvious. Misa going to tell you obvious things. <laughs> I know. It's like Jar Jar Binks. Is, yeah, yeah, exactly. In the prequel trilogy, right? We had Jar Jar who, like, whenever they couldn't figure out how to get the characters from, like, point A to point B, they're like, insert Jar Jar doing something stupid. We'll follow him through. <laughs> it's just like, it, it's not a good plot device. It's a very poor yeah. plot device. Well, and, and contrast that with, uh, you know, kind of C-3PO and R2-D2, you know, the banter there is still as fresh as, you know, episode uh, four. So, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh, they're, they're man. 3PO, always... 3PO in episode nine. Didn't, uh, yeah. the, when he had to get his memory reset, and he's talking to R2 afterwards. I mean, that, that, I think I loved R2 in the original trilogy. And 
this actually like took it to another level where you're like, wow, I actually feel more for the droids than I did even in the original trilogy. Oh yeah, you get you get serious empathy and sympathy for the droids, right? You know, ever since uh, C-3PO got ripped uh, limb from limb, um, you know, he, I mean, I've always felt bad for him. You always feel bad for him because he's he's so naive, right? Um, and uh, he's always getting laid into by everybody, and you know, you just feel bad for <laughs> that that happens to him all the time, even though he's technically right. Every time he says something, you know, um, but let that be a lesson, maybe a lesson in business too, right? Since this is, you know, kind of our thing, um, which is, you know, you don't always have to tell somebody when you're right <laughs> because that's annoying. That's why. <laughs> so C-3PO has got that nailed and he, he really can't change his programming, but, you know, we as humans can kind of learn from C-3PO's example for sure in that case. Um but uh, all right, talk to me about Bobby Jan- Freak. Bobby Freak, though, come on, Bobby <laughs> Freak was awesome. That was one of the, that was one of the highlight things. And again, Star Wars is this movie is is or these the series of movies, despite their shortcomings, are excellent. I think overall, and it's because they get the little things right most of the time. They they usually even when they miss the big things, they're getting the little things right. So I mean, like, just humor me for like a couple minutes here and think about like Derek for you, what makes a movie great? And I know it's not one thing, so it's not that simple, but like what makes a movie great? Oh, you, you gotta overcome, you know, it's gotta be something where I think the, uh, the hero has some serious odds to overcome. And, um, honestly, I think that's what makes a good project too (laughs) in real life. So, um, I think that that underdog feeling like it is impossible and yet, you know, you conjure up, you know, and in the Star Wars movies, you know, you have this luxury of tapping into, you know, quote unquote, all the Jedi, um, you know, for example, and, you know, and you can overcome that way. Um, I think when you when you consider uh, in real life where you're where you're networking and you're tapping into all the collaborators um that is an equally exquisite moment um of a career and um i think when you when your chips are down but then you look back and look behind you and then there's all these people that are standing with you like that's well that's why i um you know i really enjoy the the imagery of the rebels versus the imperials um because you know that's the way it feels a lot of times um when you're when you're trying to do new things and you're trying to uh really change you know that culture of maybe it's more imperial rule people don't really realize it explicitly but you know so yeah i think that's what makes a good movie overcome all right so you like you're saying you like overcoming and you were starting to get to why i think uh, a movie is good at the end there. And I think it's an extension of the overcoming narrative. Um, you were starting to talk about how you want something to click into place at the end almost, right? Like you need to feel like it naturally ha- comes to a resolution in your brain. And I think that's what, what transcends like a good movie to a great movie is that you have this interlocking. We talk about it with Interstellar, right? And Nolan is the master of it. He has these multiple story arcs 
that kind of weave in and out of each other. And eventually they all connect back together when you kind of least expect it or maybe when you expect it either way. But they do it in a in such a way that you were able to follow all of these arcs throughout and then kind of like follow the breadcrumbs. And then when they're finally pieced together for you, it's like the light bulb clicks on in your brain. And sometimes you don't, I don't think, know that it's happening. It's just your brain is putting it together and is getting like a, a bit of a dopamine release because it's like it's seeing the same imagery that it saw before. But now the image is like flipped. Right. Or it's 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 this idea that what happened at the beginning of the story is is finding closure at the end of the story in a way that is just really fulfilling for the character and for the viewer. So I think for me, that's what really makes a compelling story is just the interlocking aspects of the story that they make sense and that you find a nice resolution here at the end. And that's also why I like episode nine, because I think it does provide a really solid resolution. Uh, not perfect, right? This I don't think this is an interstellar level of of interlocking of narratives here there's definitely a lot of especially because there's different writers and directors there's there's some problems in the interlocking of the narratives but when you get to the end and you have that moment where like you said it's very cheesy line but very heartfelt moment and it, it just was awesome watching it in theaters when she says i'm all the jedi and then she pulls the uh, the second lightsaber out and flips the force lightning back on palpatine that was just such a a good payoff. Hearing all of those voices, because you like that's what you were saying, right? You're like you like the interlocking of it all. You like the fact that you have this backstory to build on, and you can pull from this library of past Jedi. And and Ray is able to draw something from each of them, right? And you actually have this overall like oh, the Force transcends time. So the Star Wars universe has the ability to tell these stories with that kind of baked into it the idea that like there is fate that transcends time and characters yeah i really i like what you're what you're where you're going there um and so with ray let's let's talk about ray a little bit now right so let's talk about um you know she had you're talking about these threads that essentially get started in movies right um i think a nice thread that starts with hers with you kind of mentioned about how she was poor, but I like to also think about how um, she was humble. I like that. I like that humble beginning. I think that humble beginning is a great base to build a leader off of. And, you know, just a simplistic lifestyle, not a lot, uh, you know, so more like minimalism. And uh, so... You know, that's somebody you can trust. And I think that's the that's why she's, you know, really authentic. Um, she's authentically clueless about herself, but that's OK. There's also this like really interesting <clears throat> as she develops um, how she's kind of getting answers from the background and she doesn't know how. So that was always kind of an interesting thing. Um, it's because the numbers are way down, right? They, you know, they don't really have anybody. The, the numbers of the Imperials or the First Order are like way beyond theirs. And then the Final Order is like even more so just way outnumbering them. And uh, but here we have this this humble beginning and this humble story. So I like that. Um, and. But uh, you were telling me something about how um, it's like she carries a weight, 
uh, with her. Uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, I think I can kind of transition from what you were talking about, where Ray she does have these hum- this this extremely humble beginning. She she doesn't know who she is, and and she has this fire to find out. And that's what this trilogy is going to be all about, to me at least. It's about finding out who Ray is, and that's really how it was cast in the trailers and everything else. So I, I think that's the intention of Lucasfilm as well, is to make that be the centerpiece, is we're finding out who Ray is in this, these movies. But what you said there about her not really it's almost as if she like you said she's kind of like she's extremely curious but she's kind of clueless about how to actually figure it out because she's at the mercy of the force and the universe and everything else to actually drop the breadcrumbs that she needs to be able to follow to uncover who she is so it's really going to be this kind of adventure experience for her in order to find out who she's going to be and along the way on that journey um, she maybe earlier than she had thought in her life, right? She in episode seven, she goes from being this loner who just has to take care of herself. And suddenly we have BB-8 and now she has Finn and that she has, you know, the resistance and all these other uh, people are kind of now tagged onto her. She's cast as a leader. And as she's cast as a leader, one, one theme I see throughout the movies that kind of follows along, it doesn't track exactly with her trying to figure out who she is, is the idea of how much weight she's going to carry based on who she believes that she is. So I, I can't come up with necessarily a better term right now for it. So that's why I was I was just using the term weight, right? The idea is like each weight has such a clear meaning to us that I think we all, I hope, kind of just understand what it means to carry a weight, right? And for those that have been a leader for a long time, I suspect that you've caught yourself carrying a weight that's too heavy for you. And maybe you've also caught yourself carrying a weight that's too light, where maybe you're not taking the ownership that you need to for your team, your organization, your family, whatever that is. So when I talk about the weight of of leadership, I really want to think about how Ray, over the course of her journey, sees herself, right? Because how she sees herself is going to affect what weight she's carrying and how she carries it. So we see some examples of this. And it, I, I just we can start out with the one at the beginning of episode nine. When we first see Ray, she's in this meditative state. She has these these stones kind of like whipping her out around her slowly in these in this kind of like, I don't know, it's, it's like a structured flow. And she's trying to commune with the force. She wants to hear from the force because right now things feel dire. She feels like people are relying on her and she just can't do it. And then she tries to go do her training regiment and she kind of screws it all up that hurts bb8 and so we we catch her just kind of in this bad place 
where the way I see it is she's carrying the wrong amount of weight. She's not carrying in, in some ways she's not carrying enough weight because she's not out there helping Poe and Finn and she's not she's not on the front lines where they want her to be. But in other ways, she's carrying too much weight because she's she, she's putting all of her weight into this one this one thread that she's going down of like, I need to hear from the force to get direction. And what she doesn't realize is like the reason she's been hearing from the force throughout her life and it's been giving her direction is because she keeps moving. As a leader, yeah, like, we have to keep I like moving. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that a lot. Um, I think that's that's exactly right on with um you know, when you're when you are leading, you can't just sit there and plan to be a leader. <laughs> you're just gonna plan to be a leader, you're just gonna oh, you're really good at moving rocks around your head. Um that's fantastic. It's a great trick, except that serves nobody. Right. And um, so, yeah, a leader tends to evaporate and shrink uh, when they aren't serving. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at is, you know, um, if she were putting the right weight on the serving and when she does. Right. Then it, it all starts to, uh, as you said, she starts moving and um, then the, the the dynamics are able to kind of. And I think that's interesting. Um, <clears throat> we can jam on this for a little bit, but um, you know how the weight of things change when you are moving. And if you sit still, it feels crushing. Why does it feel crushing? Mm. Why does why does uh, you know why do the why does the weight of everything that you that you uh, have planned that you think you there's something there. I mean, there's there's definitely something there. I, I can say from experience that um, I I would go crazy if I was purely set up as a planning type leader, you know, just in any kind of situation, because the doing is literally what um, <clears throat> it releases the pressure. And it keeps you from getting literally crushed. You know, I think it's interesting. Maybe weight is is something that manifests. Um, there's actual weight and there's perceived weight. And I think that there's there's two two things in play there. The actual weight of things maybe aren't as heavy um, as we believe them to be. So we perceive them as heavier. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that because I think there are times where I have definitely perceived the weight of something. And then I realize that maybe I shouldn't be playing the prices right <laughs> because <laughs> I've totally missed the showcase. Uh, if they, if they were responsible for guessing weights. Um, yeah, that's, that's one that, you know, I think if you're talking about the weight of a task, um, yeah, I'm a little bit lopsided in my, my judgment with that. Maybe maybe Ray was as well. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, about how you can perceive it and misperceive it. Okay, so I want to do a little bit of a thought experiment here, maybe, because this is kind of bringing to mind um, just an experience that I've had in backpacking. Right. So when you talk about weight, like that's one of the first places that I jump to. Some people might jump to like, you know, lifting weights. Um, other people might jump to, you know, pulling weight with your with a vehicle or something like that. 
And for me, I think about when something has been too heavy for me. And I think about a time that I went on a three-day backpacking trip into in, in Northern Colorado, Northern California, Northern California, if I could talk here, um, and having to put a heavy weight on my bag and you have to carry some things that are personal for you. You have to carry, you know, your tent and some things you're going to eat and stuff like that. But then as a team, as a group of, of uh, campers that you're going out with, you also have to carry some weight for everybody else, right? You need to redistribute the weight depending on who can carry how much. And so I liked what you were talking about there about standing still with the weight versus moving with the weight, because when you're standing still with the weight, it feels so much heavier on your back, right? It's like every time you stop when you're hiking with a heavy backpack on, it just, it feels like it's like, oh my gosh, like I'm never going to be able to get going again. And, and I think maybe that's what happens to Ray at the beginning, right? Is she's just stuck in this stasis because she's the she's perceiving, like you're saying, she thinks she has such a heavy weight that she has to carry and she thinks she has to be ready to carry it. So she's stuck in this training regimen. She's like, maybe one day if I can hear from the force and I can finish my, you know, I can just destroy my training regimen, then I'll be ready to carry the weight. And then I can go take on the emperor. And that's just in reality, not how it turns out. And, and, and not only that, like you were saying, it's not only not how it turns out, it's not how much weight you actually had to carry. You're misperceiving the weight that you're carrying. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to have people shed the weight that they're carrying because there is a good amount of weight, right? Don't just shed it. You know, if you, again, if you go back to the backpacking analogy, if you're going on a long journey, don't shed all your weight because you're going to regret not having X, Y, and Z when you get there, right? You can't just get rid of the camp stove. That the, You need a camp stove of some kind, right? Like, <laughs> You could just because that's a heavy uh, thing in your backpack. How about water? <laughs> exactly. Water's heavy and you have to bring yeah, it. Take water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's some weight that you need to carry, but there's other weight that you don't have to carry and 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 or that you are perceiving that you're carrying that you're not. And that's what we're gonna get into as we follow Ray's story further. I think each of us here on a wonder tour would hopefully profess that, you know, we want to be better leaders. We want to be leaders, number one, and we want to be better leaders, number two, which means that we are reaching out for wisdom, justice, and love, that we want to be those type of things to people, you know, first and foremost to, to um, you, we need to be true to those things to ourselves, but then we also need to be those things to other people. And that does mean that there's going to be a weight. That means that your actions carry consequences, right? So, so Ray does not have a problem with that. She's not really underweighting um, herself necessarily. I don't think as I'm like thinking through this, I think she's, she's overweighting herself. She's, she's overburdened. She, it, she like, it's like in fallout when you got too much stuff in your bag, for those of you who, you know, play the elder scrolls or fallout or whatever video games where you have a carry weight. It's like you're, she, she's, she's got too much in her bag, but like the kind of stuff she has in her bag, I don't know if it's like, Derek, is it that, that she's like perceiving that the weight is too much or she's just carrying stuff she doesn't actually have to carry? Well, I mean, when somebody goes around telling you that, <clears throat> that, you know, the emperor's back and that, you know, it's 16 hours until we're all getting wiped out, I mean, you know, I think you can make a choice in that case. You know, you can kind of say like, gee, I'm the only one with the force right now that's not in a nursing home practically. <laughs> you know, uh, and yes, I'm talking about Leia uh, in that case. Um, 
And, you know, I think there's there's something like that. You kind of feel a little singled out because, you know, you're like, you know, Maz Kanata is not going to be there to help me lightsaber battle Kylo Ren, you know. Um, so, you know, you, she does start to feel, I think, <clears throat> the um, the the weight of maybe a little bit too much, you know, because I think it's unknown. So if you really think about how it's unknown to her, how it's all going to play out, and that's where she's got to start pulling the string. And she does start pulling the string, and they go after, um, you know, the Wayfinder, um, at least the way to the Wayfinder, right, to start off. Um, <clears throat> and I think, I don't know if it's in your mind time for the moment. I think it, I think it is. Um you know, so when she goes after the Wayfinder and ends up finding the dagger um, and she gets into this situation with uh, with Kylo Ren, where I mean, it it is probably one of the most cinematic uh, pieces of the movie. Um, but that's not why I like it so much. Um, I like it because she's like. Um, I'm going to kind of turn face first into the weight and i'm just gonna like jump into it and see what happens um i think she really uh, engages the conflict and the weight of the conflict and it's kind of like <clears throat> it's interesting because it's kind of like this um it's like a mist once you're in there you realize how it's not that heavy um and she like rips his tie fighter a new one right um, and she just she once she makes a decision. So I think there's there's something there in business and in career and and how you live your life. And I always say that, you know, if you if you're feeling anxiety, you know, about something and obviously, you know, make your good decisions, you know, by far. But um, making a decision as soon as you make a decision, then you're automatically less anxious because you're not considering all the possible outcomes. And I think there's the weight, right? There's part of the perceived weight, which is, oh, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this. And that's the standing still part that we were talking about before. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, so she makes this decision to kind of engage at that point. And, you know, um, but here's where our moment is. And I'll let you talk about the moment here in a second, Drew, like basically like where, you know, she's she's trying to pull that carrier back because she thinks Chewie's inside. And there is a point where she has a limit break and the lightning comes out her fingers. And that's where I think she gets, um, no pun intended, she gets a little shocked with herself, um, <laughs> um, you know, because she number one doesn't know who she is so she didn't realize that she was capable of that and so I'll, I'll let you go from there drew about weight and how the lightning manifests you know that concept yeah so our moment there with the uh, lightning i i like this as kind of a critical point in the story while it's not the climax of our story here not even like the penultimate um plot point in this movie this part is really important because it's revealing and it's it reveals to me that ray is uncertain of herself because she puts on this facade like you said when she goes up to fight kylo she's so certain and she rushes towards his tie fighter and she does this sweet like backflip and then like pulls out her lightsaber and cuts off the wing of it 
and she's you're just like whoa like is ray just gonna just gonna take everybody down from here um she seems so powerful and she seems so in control and then in that moment when the control is wrestled from her it, the the weight is unbalanced on her back again suddenly and she starts to feel like you know she sees that that chewie's been taken and and now she's not in control of the situation anymore and so she loses she basically loses control of her power her emotions her power they're, they're all linked together um as we understand how the force works but she loses control and force lightning comes out of her fingers and destroys the carrier which she thinks has chewy on it and in that moment she has a shifting perspective I, I can't tell if it's actually a shifting perspective of herself that she thinks differently about herself after that or it's just a it feels like it confirms something about herself that she was already worried about but now she felt a heavy weight and when you combine that feeling of a heavy weight with the heavy weight becoming unbalanced on her back it, it's like threatening to topple her over and paralyze her so she's getting yeah. torn down right yeah yeah it's really yeah and she's she's worried that worse things are going to happen i think i think that's the i think that's the, the the foreshadowing that it gives you you know in your own situation um if i think about maybe a leadership you know analogy here as far as you really overexert yourself perhaps maybe you scare yourself there where you've you pushed yourself too far maybe you start to get a little burnout um maybe in your burnout you get a little angry you get a little frustrated with people um i've been there yeah i've i've done that before um and then you hear yourself and you're like whoa I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I, you know, felt that, right? And so <clears throat> I think this is, is, you know, there's a little bit of uh, engaging the shadow. Um, you know, they, they talk about your shadow being what you're not or what you're afraid to, what you are afraid to engage about yourself. Um, and I think that's, that's what kind of came out here. That's what can come out when we are unbalanced. Uh, for sure, we have too much weight. And that weight can break us, and then we kind of become kind of what we dread to become. Um, so that's that's kind of what I take from kind of this moment. Um, we can we can scare ourselves sometimes. Sometimes that can be a good thing. Um, but I can tell you one thing: that empathy is hard to find in those moments. You know, I think about when Finn said, you know. Oh, I, you know, I, I know that you didn't really mean to do that, or I know that that wasn't you, or whatever. She's like, you don't know, you don't know who I, you know, who I really am, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I don't even, I forget exactly the quote, but you can correct me if you want. But uh, the point is, is that he was, <clears throat> he he wasn't really able to dial in to where she was at, and that is very characteristic of a moment where the weight has gone unbalanced and you feel out of control um you know you really feel out of your element and you're not sure who you were for that for that brief second um now the great thing is is that that really helped define her it gave her some guardrails i think um and so when she found spooky ray in the death star 
with those teeth in that one scene. It's <laughs> just sorry, that just freaks me out. Um, but you know, when she sees Spooky Ray, she knows she's not Spooky Ray, right? Um, she knows that immediately. And um, so, but I know they still have to bring that in because they're like, this is what you could become. There's always like this lesson, isn't there, Drew, about uh, in, in every Star Wars movie with a Jedi, it's like, this is what you could become. Watch out, you know? <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and they're always trying to like scare you a little bit. Like you think, oh, your hero is going to get, you know, eaten up by the dark side, you know? Um, so I think it's kind of, it's kind of funny. And that's, that's why I kind of say like, but, but she was already well wise to look, I've seen the inkling of spooky Ray. I do not want to be spooky Ray. I want to be good Ray, um, who is going to save the Jedi. Um, and she pretty much, I think she commits to it at that point. She's like, I saw the spookiness. I don't want to be anywhere near that, that crazy stuff. Right. Um, and, you know, and that's kind of how she ended it, too. Right. She was able to reflect the lightning instead of having the lightning come out of her fingers. So if that doesn't tell you all you need to know right there about her decision at that point. Now, we haven't talked about the way the weight is perceived from then on. So maybe we should talk about that. What do you think? Well, yeah, I, I think that. It, there's a risk in picking up weight that's not yours to carry you when we talk about the weight that you should carry because there is a weight that you should carry and the lesson in in the rise of skywalker is less about the weight you should carry and more about the weight you shouldn't but when we talk about the weight you should carry sorry you shouldn't carry it's oftentimes the weight that's outside of your control and in this movie, we see Ray trying to carry weight that's outside of her control or risking carrying it. She starts to carry it, right? So let's think about when they're on Kajimi and or she's on the she's on the Star Destroyer and uh, Kylo's on Kajimi and they have the the dyad and the force moment where they they're like they're you know they're kind of next to each other but they're not next to each other, right? And that's when he reveals who she is that she's a Palpatine and. It's just this this awesome moment it, that I like the direction on that moment a lot. The fact that Ray is in this like white room um, on side of inside of Kylo's ship and Kylo is in this dark, rainy planet. And they're like they're they're kind of like mirroring each other in, in weird ways. Um, I don't want to dive too far into that, but I think that moment is really important because that is the moment where Ray finds out like who the world is going to tell her that she is. Right. And the world is going to tell her that you're a Palpatine, which means that like, you know, there's a big risk with you. You're powerful, but you could easily fall to the dark side. And so she gets scared in that moment and she immediately like swings and knocks down the Darth Vader, um, the Darth Vader mask that's on the that's in Kylo's office or whatever bed chamber. I don't know what it is, um, but she knocks it down. And at that point. She picks up a weight she doesn't need to carry. She picks up I'm that sorry. I'm, weight. I'm just laughing because you said Kylo's office. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of office do you have when you have a lightsaber that has like little baby lightsabers out the side of it <laughs> and its handle? It's just funny. Uh, you got a call on line three, sir. Tell him to tell him to call back. 
<laughs> hey, that's that's in the, they did a Saturday Night Live uh, with that with Adam Driver as Kylo Ren, didn't they? Uh, I don't know if you saw that, but they did. Uh, <laughs> where they do uh, what's it called? What's did the what's the gig? No, no, because he he's like they have him like working in business roles. <laughs> I forget what <laughs> so it is. Funny. No, because he's no, no, no. They have him. It's Star Wars still. Okay, I'm trying. I'm slowly yeah. piecing back together what it is, but they have him uh, doing the. He, what I can't remember what the name of it is, right? Where they have like the boss, and the boss goes down and like uh, and like pretends to be a peon for a day or whatever. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Oh man, boss! I forget what it is, but uh, undercover boss. Undercover boss. There we go. Oh, Thank you. So that's what he was doing. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. Well, you know, and you were talking about him having an office. Like I was just thinking about though, he's like sitting there in the mask and he's like answering emails. Um, <laughs> it's just funny to me um anyway and then you know all of a sudden you hear this get out of here <laughs> you know that, that little robot or whatever and who knows maybe he whips the lightsaber out at that point and just smashes that little robot but um <laughs> yeah good stuff anyway you're yeah you sorry. were jamming on yeah. something there and i i i did you but you said kylo's office and i'm sorry i just lost it so <laughs> <laughs> i know you don't think about the sith lord having an office but they would have an there office you know. probably right i mean like they'd have something that resembles an office i know that like grand admiral throne has an office basically i mean it's it's kind of a yeah he has a command chamber and he has an office for sure so i think he has one it might, that might have been his office i don't know but Okay, so where where I was kind of catching up, and we can jump to the uh, the next scene anyway here because we were kind of saying that Ray picks up this weight of the Palpatine name. She sees herself through the eyes of the world, and and really this is one of the um, this is one of the themes that we see throughout this movie is we see Kylo Ren sees Ray a certain way, Palpatine sees Ray a certain way. Ray sees herself a certain way. Leia sees her. You know, Luke sees her. Right. All of the characters see her a certain way. I mean, Poe and Finn for as as well. At the beginning, they all have this different view of Ray, and she's so torn because she thinks she has to be everybody's view of herself. She thinks she has to somehow fulfill all of these different views, and she even feels like like the view that Kylo has or the view that the Emperor has. She's she's worried that she is going to fulfill their view of her. And and it's like she's she's ceding control of the weight that she carries to outside forces. And I think that right there is a valuable lesson. And so we talked about how you need to keep moving with the weight. But I think we, we're also very pensive in in Wonder Tour. We want to reflect on things. We want to think deeply about things. So as a result, you have to stop every so often. If you're going on a three day hike. Like you need to stop every hour or two and drink some water and figure out if your if if your team is carrying the weight the correct way. If you're personally carrying weight that you don't need to be carrying that you can shed. Yeah, I like that. I think that's really important. Yeah, you don't want to stop too often because then you don't get anywhere. But you also don't want to just go 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 wear yourself out um, and live in your. I don't want to go back to closed loops, but, you know, I mean, there is a little bit of a thing about a closed loop here because you can become uh, very self-righteous about carrying weight, too. And that is going to be the opposite of humility. (laughs) So um, it's not going to be very productive uh, for your team 
to hear you constantly whine and complain about all this weight you're carrying. It's too much. And, you know, it's, you know, obviously people understand like there's, there's a certain point, like you can only push those buttons so many times before people are like, will he just, or she just let go of it already? Like let go of some things you, you don't want to be that person that, you know, that leader that people are like, this is so obvious. If he or she would just let go of this and stop trying to do it all, then they would be a lot better leader because they'd be a lot happier and they, they would actually be doing something that they've been balanced to do. Right. Um, so I think about that as I go through here. And, you know, she never reaches that point. Um, and neither does Ben, although Ben in an, the opposite way tries to make himself so dark. And, you know, it never comes off. Right. Uh, I don't think anybody who has watched the movie. I don't know. I have. I never believed him when he was like. I'm just like Darth Vader, you know, and, and just, or he tries to just be like this tough guy. I mean, there's a couple of times where I'm like, that's pretty good. That was pretty dark. But most other times I was like, I'm not buying it, buddy. Um, you know, and, and I could see how he was tracking, you know, a certain way. So I think sometimes, I mean, it, that's where weight is very fascinating to me as a concept here. Um, because, you know, you can act like you got a whole lot of weight on your shoulders and you don't uh again this is misperception and then the actual isn't even that heavy and then you could be like ray who you know it scales i think with your leadership capability she took a lot of weight on she was able to carry a lot of weight uh a lot more than him actually because he's you know he's putting like kind of dumb weight on his shoulders in a way right uh, the way to be bad. I've just well, got putting this perspective, evil. right? Again, it's, it's all a matter <laughs> yeah. of perspective and what, what weight yeah. is being projected onto him. He's, he's just kind of like trying to project this false weight onto himself of, of this evil character when it's like in reality, his role. And, and I do want to catch, I do want to talk about this because we got like, so let's, let's kind of try to combine this Kylo and Ray slash Ben uh, conversation into the moment that goes on um, on the on Kefbur where the wreckage of the second death star is because this scene was really awesome in theaters. I loved uh, watching this scene play out. It was there, you could argue that some of the lightsaber battling was not the best of the series in there, but I, I enjoyed it and I just loved the the force leaping that they were doing between the wreckage when the waves were coming and stuff. And the the story that was playing out with Leia as well throughout that uh, that process there. So let's talk about that and let's talk about now, Kylo. I do, and note, I do want to note for a second that that was also Miller's planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from Interstellar. From, from Interstellar. Um, so I couldn't get over the waves, you know. And uh, anyway, she had to spark it several times to get over those giant waves so she could get into the uh the death star so <laughs> um, yeah no that was an epic battle um i did like it <clears throat> um and uh, i think it was very representative of a settling of the books of sorts um 
you know, think what you might about why he paused, you know, because of Leia's intervention. I don't know. You can overthink that quite a bit. I think the point is, is that it's almost like Ray in that moment finally had an opportunity to interrupt the evil cycle uh, with Leia. And she interjected the, honestly, the medicine he needed, which was he needed to get his rear end whooped. Um, And then she fixed him back up. Right. And then after that, it was like, then Han Solo was able to come in and just kind of say, look, that guy's dead. He's gone. Right. And he throws that lightsaber out. I mean, at, at that point, that that's the the kind of the closure that was needed. Well, right. I mean, uh, Kylo, in order for him to become Ben, just in the same way that in order for Ray to meet Ben at the end and defeat the emperor, they both kind of need the same thing. They need to shed the weight that they've been carrying that isn't their own, that isn't, you know, the faith that the Force has for them. Because when Ben becomes Kylo, it seems to me to be about, right, just like it always is with the Sith, it's about power and it's about this this inflated importance. And Ben, you know, what when he swings back to become Ben, he loses that inflated importance. It's no longer all about him and and everything is self-centered. And he's trying to to prove that he's the, you know, he's the he should be the you know the heir to the emperor even with the emperor right he doesn't want to work with the emperor because he's so self-involved that he just wants he thinks he's the center of the universe and he thinks he's the the past the present the future when he finally drops that that's when kylo becomes ben again and he 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 realizes like no this story isn't about me this is about everybody that came before me this is yes this is about darth vader this is about anakin and this is about luke and this is about leia and this is about ray that's what this story is about. I'm just a small piece of the story. And when he's willing to do that, finally, he goes to Exegol and he's able to execute a task successfully. And he's able to do it with humility and, and in the end, make the sacrifice that needs to be made in order to to secure the future that that really, I think, deep in his heart, he, he was wishing for the whole time. Yeah, well, I was going to say is that, um, you know, that's good. I really like that. Um, but the, um, you know, once he got wounded, right? So if you look at <clears throat> a leader who is pretty preoccupied with a certain weight and they don't want to admit it, if you can get them to admit it, then that's kind of like, you know, the lightsaber wound, right? It gets your attention you know, your ego, in the case of real life, it's really about people's egos getting wounded. I think people are in ego lightsaber battles all the time. (laughs) So if you want to talk about uh, parallels here, and I think that there's plenty of parallels with the fact that, you know, people are very subconsciously, they're like, uh, my ego is not going down today. So you better get your lightsaber out and go toe to toe with me because I'm not, I'm not backing off this image of me. Right. Um, and I think that's what happened with Ben. Ben's like, I'm not backing off this image of me. You're going to join me. You're going to take my hand. Right. 
yada 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 um because that was that was his his ego projection for himself um you know i get to be the evil guy again you know and and i'm mocking that a little bit because it's um you know it really held him back and then finally we find out as you as you just mentioned you know so i was just trying to relate it back to real life leadership which is you know sometimes people you know have to have that ego wounding a little bit and when they have that then they can drop the weight because it's like okay the jig is up you know you're right i was just projecting that that was just a persona i made up um and if you can get people to drop the persona that maybe they are projecting you know what that frees up a lot of energy and when you free up that much energy they then have the capability and the capacity to learn and develop as a leader again and in that case they may end up joining you in the hall of the emperor right to to take them on right and that's that's what you want to happen uh with your teams you know uh and you you have those strong personalities out there um that you want to free them up and I think, Drew, you've mentioned this as it, it, it manifests itself a little bit as chip on the shoulder. I know we, we tend to mention that probably once an episode, um, but and that's OK. But this is a little more than that, isn't it? It is. It's it has to be more than that, because the chip on the shoulder when we talk about it is a useful tactic. But that's really all that it ends up being it's just a useful tactic right it, it it can play out it can't play out it's it's just a way that you can get to the end it's it's just your your how you're gonna your how you're gonna pull yourself forward i well i look at the chip on the shoulder as a trigger you know a purely a trigger many times mm-hmm. you know oh you said the wrong thing that's it you know i'm doing this now you know um I think about Seinfeld sometimes. You probably didn't watch Seinfeld, so but George is getting George is getting frustrated, you know. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I think that's like, you know, he had plenty of chips, you know. Um, but I think it's like chips and then there's trips, you know, trip wires, right? Um, but they're all the same thing. Those aren't really what we're talking about here. We're talking about like literally, you know, the way the ego drives um those chips to even be created in the first place. Um, and I think when you've got this shattering that happens with Ben, I think you, you've got a rearrangement at that point. And then you have the option to, depending on how the situation gets handled, if it gets handled in a positive way, emphasizing the person's positive core attributes, uh, <clears throat> I think you're going to see a reshuffling and a realignment that is going to be in a positive direction and creating space. Um, you know, and I, yeah. that's good leadership, man. That's that's good leadership. That's when, you know, you you start to really win people over because they're like, whoa, wait, you're you're working with so and so. I thought they were not the nicest, you know, person or whatever. Well, no, they're different now. They're they're actually they're they're really happy, you know, doing this task. They're really happy working in this area. Um, you know. Yeah. So, so what you're talking about here, we you're flipping the perspective up until now this wonder tour we've just been talking about how we personally can evaluate the weight that we're carrying and see if it's it's the right weight 
as a leader. And we'll probably bring this back up ideally later in another episode where we can talk about what it looks like when you're not carrying enough weight, because there's just a lot of examples of that, too. Um, But now what you're talking about is how do you help other people who are carrying too much weight potentially to be able to lighten the load? And you've brought up a really good example here with Kylo with the lightsaber wound, right? It's you have to break through the calloused exterior. And when you have that opportunity, you have to, in a loving way, be ready to to kind of like give them the opportunity to grow from there after you break through the calloused exterior. Now you leave them with an opportunity. Instead of leaving them down, you leave them with an opportunity, right? Yeah, you build them back up. And you build them back up when they don't expect it, right? So, you know, evil Kylo uh, expected to die after the lightsaber wound, um, but good Ben uh came back out of it because of you know ray's um kindness you know and really it was mercy that she showed right um because she decided she's you know it's not going to go down like this this is not you know the kind of jedi that i am um you know because every jedi goes through this where they're like okay are they good are they bad you know um and you get to these key moments where they can strike out with their anger and take somebody out and if they leave it like that you know um then that's what they end up being defined as but she has this thing that she does you know in this particular movie where she's just like going around healing things you know she heals that snake um she pulls a grogu and uh so i think in that way she's kind of you know she's kind of doing the Grogu thing, uh, fixing him back up, right? Although she did it first, mm. then Grogu did it later in the show. So, mm. But here's the funny thing about it. She, and this is, the, this is honestly just a beautiful thing, and this movie does it in a good way, is Rey is not yet fixed herself when she does this, right? That's the crazy thing about caring about somebody, about showing love is that you don't have to be in a perfect situation yourself in order to pick somebody else up. You can do it from being in a pretty tough spot. And actually by doing that, it might help you to reevaluate, to to be able to shed some of the load that you're carrying that you've put on yourself as well. So that takes us to a very small mentor segment here. And I just want to talk about, so what happens after that? Because it's not what you would expect. You would expect that this is like the turning point and and this, you know, we've reached, you know, we've reached the penultimate thing that's going to happen. And now we're, we're going to go to the climax. But no, Ray runs away to act two where Luke, where she found Luke originally. And she goes and has a conversation with Luke's force ghost. And she tells him like, no, I, I just keep messing this up. Like, I'm not going to I'm not going to hurt any more people. I don't remember what she actually says. I could be paraphrasing this entirely wrong. But she basically says, like, like, I'm just going to do like you did because I, I'm following in your footsteps. You am I, am I paraphrasing this as, as you remember it, Derek? Yeah, that's I think it's 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 fine. Uh, you know, I think it's I think you're 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 definitely giving the the sentiment, which is, you know, I'm not going to mess anybody else up. I'm not going to, you know uh, make any more mistakes. Um, and I think that's just a moment that, you know, we have to notice in others and we have to notice when they're doing that. Um, because I think that that indicates that deep down, um, 
you don't really believe that. It's just that you would like to hear someone from the outside say, no, that's wrong. You want it's a it's a moment where you're inviting you're inviting inviting uh you're 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 asking someone to contradict you on purpose um as a way of validating you and so that's what she did um although i i think if someone you know we're typically doing this i don't know that they'd burn their tie fighter before they did it that's pretty gutsy that does kind of tell me that she was really kind of. <laughs> she was know. really, yeah, she wasn't just looking for the confirmation from Luke or the contradiction, right? It, sorry, she's saying this is the case. She wants, you, you're right, that is a tactic people yeah. use all the time, right? <laughs> is they they say something and they want you to contradict it because it will build them up and, and push them in the right direction. And yeah. they just don't feel, I don't know, I, I can't get too far into the psychology on that one I there just, of why they do it that way. funny to me. So like where, you know, she burns a TIE fighter and I'm thinking you wouldn't just leave the radio out, you know, just just for the heck of it. Like <laughs> you don't yeah. want to like you don't want to at least like just leave the radio out, leave like a battery or something. No, I'm going to burn the whole thing. You know, I just think that's hilarious to me. I mean, like she's really like pretty adamant, actually, if you think about it, um, <clears throat> although the Wayfinder survives the explosion. So, uh, you know, so you kind of got that going on. Um but anyway, Luke's not having it, right? So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the mentor moments, I think. Well, the mentor is- moment is Leia here. Is Luke talking about Leia, right? Because it's pal- she she says she tells Luke like, did did you know, you know, I was a Palpatine, and Luke's like, yeah, and Leia knew it too, and she has like this utmost respect for Leia, right? Leia was her mentor who took care of her, who who was really she was leaning on maybe too much at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, and I think this is a great uh, magnanimous moment, and we should stop and pause on this one, um, which is you can exude magnanimous characteristics when you know who someone is, but believe in them anyway. So I'm going to say that one more time. You exude magnanimous characteristics when you know who someone is, but you believe in them anyway. And really at the core of that is, I mean, wouldn't you want somebody like that fighting for you? Wouldn't you want? No, I'm telling you, magnanimous is a heavy weight, right? Talk about weight. Um, If, I would say this, it can be a heavy weight if you were attached to the outcome. But as a magnanimous leader, you also you know that the person that you are giving that belief to, you know that it's on them to follow through. Luke knew that it was on Ray to follow through. And so, but he he believed in her anyway. Anything to add on that? Yeah, I mean, this this part here is, it's like I was bringing up at the beginning, why do I think some movies or some stories succeed where others fail and what makes a great story to me? It's about that finding that resolution and that the resolution like interlocks very well with the puzzle that's been laid out for you so far. And I think this, again, while the whole thing doesn't fully kind of like come back on itself in a way that's extremely fulfilling, it's it's fulfilling here. It, it truly is to, to hear Leia 
kind of reinforced that what she said earlier, because Leia actually does say something earlier, right? She says, never be afraid of who you are. And that's kind of like leading on that she does know who Ray is. And when she finds out, she doesn't want her to be worried about it. She's like, I believed in you anyway. I put my life and everybody else's life in your hands, despite the fact that I knew that you were descended from the emperor. So she's she's saying that I don't believe that you have to be, you know, just because you're a Palpatine by blood doesn't mean that you have to live like a Palpatine lives. Right. She said, you don't have to carry that weight of being a Palpatine. Your power doesn't have to get out of control. You don't have to go down the dark side path. And that belief in her is it's just awesome. Right. And so that's the second piece of the application as a mentor. So each of us as a mentor or just even as as a person in the world wanting to interact in positive ways that leave other people with opportunities for change. We, we, we have to believe in people, I believe. I think that's a critical element of it is to be able to have belief in somebody even when they don't have belief in themselves. I know that I, without a shadow of a doubt, would not be the person that I am today had people not believed in me when I was in my worst moments. And had, had I not had strong mentorship and strong just just words of wisdom put into my life where people told me, like, you know what? You're stronger than you think you are. You're going to overcome. You know, I don't care what you've done. I know that I I believe that your future is bright. And so I, I would just like to, with my life, do the best I can to be able to give that back to every other person that I come in contact with, that type of encouragement. And not everybody's gonna take it. And that's okay. That's the idea of that calloused exterior, right? Like sometimes you have to pierce through the calloused exterior. And not everybody's gonna let you do that. And actually most of the time they're not gonna let you do that. But the times that you you can break through the calloused exterior are going to be some of the most rewarding times of your entire life, right? There's there's the old adage that like it's not it might not be your life, but you know one minute five minutes can make somebody else's entire life. And there have been those moments in my life where I can say one line from somebody said confidently makes or changes a life. That line flips everything for Ray. It confirms what she needed, right? And now she can go and she can face the emperor and she can, and, and she's actually able to, to overcome. And again, and she and Ben both now have this realization that it's not about them. The force was with them the entire time. She didn't have to hear from the force. The force would show up, you know, she's a Palpatine. She's, a, she's also a Skywalker, right? The force is going to show up when she needs it. The force always shows up for a Skywalker when they need it. And so she goes there and she doesn't know exactly what she's going to do. But she's able to lead confidently and she's no longer carrying the weight. And we can tell she's not carrying the weight anymore because she's no longer Rey. She's all of the Jedi. Right. She's she's realizes that I'm just the vessel that the force is acting through here. This is just my opportunity to play into the grand vision that we all have in the resistance. That we that the, that the Jedi have, that the Republic have. I'm just going to be I'm, I'm going to just humbly play whatever part I'm cast here. And now all of this phantom weight she was carrying, I think that's finally I found a term I like for it. Right. It's the phantom weight that she's carrying. It's gone. I like that. <clears throat> I like the phantom weight term. Yes. Oh, looks like you've got some phantom weight. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds kind of funny when you say it like that. 
Is your belt a little too long? Looks like you might be carrying some phantom weight. (laughs) (laughs) You've been opening up the belt loops. Exactly. Like you need a bigger belt. Yeah. You've been carrying some phantom weight. You've been packing on the phantom pounds. I I agree. Right. But it fits the idea of phantom pain. It's like the phantom pain, right? Is you, you've lost a body part and you still feel pain in it. Um, It's kind of, there's this kind of phantom weight that you have where it's just like, that some type of loss or some type of thing that happened, some event that happened in your life is causing you to just carry this phantom weight that you don't need to carry, but you just can't shed. Yeah. And you know what dispels that is belief. So expectation gives you phantom weight and belief causes it to shrink and get lighter. Right. And I think that's what we, that's the mechanism we found there. Um, we've, uh, I think we're, we've, kind of isolated this a little bit of a triad here um so yeah what else are we going to cover today i I think we've we've really nailed like the main piece that we had set out to do but i'm curious gotta hit the ending here we gotta hit the ending of this movie because honestly (laughs) the reason that i walked away the first time i saw this movie in theaters and i was just like overjoyed was because of the final scene and the final scene is just freaking awesome man when ray goes back to the moisture farm that we've seen so many times in this this nine series of movies in this saga whatever i don't know what you want to call it right the skywalker saga or whatever um she goes back there and you hear ray's theme the and she gets they reek they uh, they re-image the image from episode seven the force awakens of her sitting on like the scrap, riding down the sand like a sled, like a kid. And you just see that she has, in a way, been transformed the way that she looks at herself over these last three movies. But in a way, she was always who she was, that she didn't change at all, right? It's like parts of her didn't change at all because they didn't have to. All she had to do was prune out that phantom weight that she was carrying, and and that's how she becomes her, her truest self. And that's how she becomes. And she sees herself for who she truly is. And then you have this incredible moment, right, where she she buries the lightsabers for Luke and Leia, which brings closure to you know, people who are huge fans of the original uh, trilogy and have watched it a million times. It's just like we needed that closure because we their bodies just faded away. And then the the lady comes by with the weird alien camel and she's like. She's like, nobody's been here for so long. And she's like, who are you? And she's, you know, Ray's like, I'm Ray. She's like, Ray who? She thinks about it, right? And then she sees the force ghosts of Luke and Leia and against the Tatooine sons, of course, because that's just the most iconic image in all of Star Wars is looking out over those Tatooine sons. She's like, Ray Skywalker. And it just like brings tears to your eyes because you're like, yes, yes. That this is what this whole series and Star Wars is about. There were some wrong steps along the way, but we got to where we needed to go. Rey isn't actually a Skywalker by blood, but she's a Skywalker by name because names are important and names are how we see ourselves. So, so to just give someone a name or to, to call them by a name that they don't like, right? That means something. And we can I think we've brought it up in Water Tour before, or maybe I just talk about it a lot, but we're gonna talk about it more probably in in the future. Is the power of a name, right? So Derek, to you, what does Skywalker mean? 
I mean, it's just a, I mean, for me, it's just a name from a movie. (laughs) I like the, I mean, obviously it's, there's, you know, a lot from, you know, Star Wars that it brings up. Um, I was actually thinking about what's the real world ramification of this. And so I don't know if this is where you're thinking at, but, you know, I've heard my own name uh, many times in the past. I really haven't like, I don't know, like it never really would sink in. It's it, it's weird to hear your own name called um, and to say your own name. Um, and I think if there's a little bit of unfamiliarity with that, you know, that may be in some ways symptomatic of, you know, you have areas that maybe you aren't sure about yourself in, you know. Um, and this is like way back, right, you know, feeling like that. Um, but it's it's interesting, right? At some point you start parsing it down and I don't know, like names can be one of those things that you can actually think about when you say them or you can not think about when you say them. And if you, like, as you said, if you make them a sacred thing, if you make them a, an important thing, what you're doing is you're celebrating the, the idea and the concept of that particular person, I think in the utmost way. Um, I don't know. I, I, that's the way I feel about it. Um, yeah, the Skywalker name is cool. It sounds cool. Um, it but sounds don't we all want to be a Skywalker in, in, in a way? Like when you watch the movie, and this is, uh, I, I don't know, I, I don't think this is not making this evergreen content, but I just saw Fast 9, the newest movie in the Fast and Furious franchise. And there's this kind of dumb scene in it where the villain is talking to Cypher, who is the other villain, right, in, from the previous movies. And they're like joking about Star Wars characters. And the villain guy is talking to Cypher and he's like, well, of course, I'm Luke Skywalker. And it's like everybody wants to think that they're Luke Skywalker when they watch the original trilogy. Everybody wants to be a Skywalker. And to me, like, obviously, the name is just cool. It transcends time. It's done a really good job of that. Skywalker, right? It's somebody who is able to to do something new, right? It's to me, it sounds it's somebody who fulfills their purpose who completes the vision, right? That's what the role of the Skywalker is. It's somebody who is going to be this representative leader for the for the, the downtrodden and the beaten and is going to step up and do the right thing no matter what. They're going to fulfill their purpose. So I, I just I gotta tell you, Skywalker, I gotta tell you though, I actually wanted to be Han Solo. So I think that's <laughs> maybe where you, that's where you missed me. Um, I just had this thing where I, you know, I wanted to be Han Solo and I, I loved uh, how he always kind of came in at the side and at the right moment. And I think that's very much. And so there's there's probably that pattern going on, um, which is where do you see yourself playing the role at? Right. Do you see yourself as having the hero's weight or are you more of the, you know, maybe the type that, you know, the name of the Star Wars character that's more and the type of leader, right, that would come in at the right moment and, you know, make the assist. And I always valued that. I really loved how, you know, he sent Darth Vader spinning. I thought that was hilarious and how he's a space cowboy, you know, you know, Um, so anyway. And he has a perfect name for it, though, right? Han Solo. I mean, it's 
the names have a strong meaning. George Lucas clearly finds an importance with the names in the stories that he writes. So you identify with the solo name, right? That's that's important as well. So oh, I, yeah. I don't know. I just love yeah. to I, I love to think about how what these names mean. And I you know, the name Ray Skywalker, right? Like the Ray part of it is obvious. A ray of light, a ray of hope. She is the ray of hope for the universe, right? But that that ray is is light. That ray becomes a is not a palpatine, which is a heavyweight, it's a skywalker which is a lighter weight, not a, not the lightest weight, right? A Skywalker is a heavy weight in terms of comparison to a lot of other names that you could carry, but it's a weight that's balanced, right? It, it's, it, it's a weight that, that constantly seeks to shed the phantom pain and or to shed, shed the phantom weight and to only carry just the weight that, that we need for this journey, just the weight that the, that the force needs me to carry, just the weight that my team needs me to carry. So if we can wrap it up there, I think that the, the big takeaway for us here has been about that phantom weight, right? How do you shed that phantom weight in yourself and how do you help your team or your family or whatever your organization is to shed that phantom weight for themselves? And again, for, for them in that second part, you, cannot, you can't make anyone shed any weight. That's an internal decision that they have to make, but you can open up opportunities for them to shed weight all day long, and you cannot get you cannot get beaten up, you cannot get uh, disappointed because when they when you're you're you know you're trying to break through the calloused exterior fails because we know that for us on this wonder tour, we believe it's about making the effort. You know, you can only judge yourself on what you do. You can't judge yourself on what that person does, but you can keep on reaching out to them all day long. Yeah, I like how you put that at the end there. And um, I think, you know, belief really is that antidote to the phantom weight. And, you know, when we act magnanimously, um, we're going to be able to give that belief out. Uh, without really feeling much energy drain ourselves, because we're going to know that that ultimately, if we can drain the uh, the weight off of people, um, we're going to have better teams, man. We're going to have way better teams um, because people aren't going to be feeling all heavy laden and burdened down. And uh, so that's good. I like that. Um, all right. Well, what do we got? next time well actually before we jump into that um if there's anything that you feel you know you listen to this and you're like oh, i really like that discussion i want to make a comment on this particular episode uh please do on our twitter and we are i'm going to give it to drew for that <laughs> at the wonder tour the at wonder the, tour on twitter there we go at the wonder tour on Twitter. And, uh, so just, you know, feel free to jump in there and comment and, um, give us your thoughts. We love to see, uh, the deep thinkers out there. And especially on this topic here, this is a very interesting one. Um, so next time, what do we got, Drew? Next week, we are bringing it back with, uh, more of a you know, out of the blue episode, we just did our every five Star Wars episode, which is just, you know, absolute treasure to me. But we're bringing it to back with Fight Club. I'm really looking forward to this. I haven't seen this movie in a decent number of years, so I can't wait to go back and watch it because there's going to be some really fun stuff to unpack here. 
Awesome. And just remember, as we close out here, that not all who wonder are lost. We'll see you next time.